He is alive, amen. amen. That uh, last song we sang, that's one of my favorites. I said to my family, I'm going to turn my microphone on. And they were like, no. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Y'all dodged one on that one. They don't let me sing with a microphone, but man, I love that. I tell you, I love to have fun. I love to tell jokes. And, and I am so excited. One, it is Resurrection Sunday the tomb is empty. And just like that little buffer video said, death is defeated. Sin has retreated from the power of the sun. He is alive. The enemy is faded. There's a caveat there. The battle still rages. We've got a war to still fight, but it's already been won because he is alive. He arose from the dead. Amen. Amen. Now I have to tell you, the, the foolish practical joker in me has been waiting for years, for this day. The day that Resurrection Sunday falls on April Fool's Day. On April 1st. How about you? Did you guys grow up where your brothers and sisters would do stuff to you? And I always, my sister was mean. And if she, she may be watching. I love you, but you're mean. She knows it. She did mean things to me. Things I can't repeat in church on a Sunday. Especially when she had a, a free pass like April Fool's Day. She would do stuff to fool me. And I was always like, I would wake up knowing it was April 1st, and I'd be like, not going to fall for it. Now, I was like Charlie Brown in the football. Not going to do it, not going to do it. And then she'd get me, April Fool's. And then I'd try to get her later on in the week, and I'd be like, ah, April Fool's, because I was a little bit slower. Took me a while. <laughs> I thought it was still the month of April. It worked. And then she'd be like, April Fool's are done past. You're the biggest fool at last. And even when I would fool her, it didn't work. It was horrible. Did you know the last time, and it probably only matters to me, but I thought it was really unique. The last time that Resurrection Sunday was on an April 1st was in 1956. Yeah. Some of you were just little kids. Some of you weren't even born yet. Some of you were. But I love this because, like I said, I love it. It's like the joke writes itself. Hey, Satan. Hey, death. Hey, sin. The joke's on you. April Fool's, the tomb is empty. Right. Talk about a major miracle. This is it. Jesus Christ, the Jesus, God in flesh, he healed people. He cast out demons. He even raised others from the dead. And in case you don't know the story, if you weren't here last week, while he was on the cross, people mocked him challenged him save himself he, he saved others can't he save himself from the suffering of the cross and yet he chose that suffering for us because all along our messiah knew something that no one else seemed to be able to comprehend or understand the scribes and the pharisees the religious leaders they missed the prophecies even those who were closest to him missed what he was saying in his final days but jesus knew that death could not hold him he knew that death would not be the end. He knew that he would rise again to reconcile us to God. And this morning, I want to look at four different accounts of the same story. I think it's fitting that on April 1st, on April Fool's Day, where we're in a world that's always looking for a loophole. There's always a conspiracy theorist. There's people looking for loopholes in God's Word. And so I got to thinking about this message, and, and it's really a message that writes itself... It's very simple, but I'm here to tell you, even on April Fool's Day, you won't find any loopholes here. 
I want to start with Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to project this up for you so that you can read it with me. Verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And I want to pause right there because I just think that's awesome. Like earthquake, they roll away the stone. The angel could have just been standing there, but he chose to sit upon the stone that was so big that it took several men to put it into place. And here he is just sitting there. And verse 3 says, And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. That's about as visually bright as you can get to have your appearance like. That's like fluorescent clear bright. That's how bright that is. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I'm going to touch on that in a second. Uh, The angel said to the women, uh, the guards are shaking, they're like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. It's okay if the guards are still afraid, but he says to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. And he goes on, he says, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. And then the angel says, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. There's a combination there. Still, still a little trembly, but with fear and great joy. And they ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city. All right, that's the same guard that was just scared to death. They came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears... We will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Well, I guess I was mistaken. There is a loophole in this story after all. Not with the actual resurrection, but with the elders and the priests and uh, the chief priests. It seems that as the scared soldiers told them what took place, they gave them money to lie and say that they fell asleep. And while they were sleeping, the, the other part of the story is while they were sleeping, the, the Jesus' disciples came and stole his body. They even go as far as to say to the guards, now don't worry about the governor. If he gets upset, we won't let you get in trouble for saying that you fell asleep. Listen, they weren't asleep. Verse 4 says very clearly, the guards shook for fear, for fear of him and became like dead men. Now I did some study, and when you look at this sentence in the original Greek, it translates to, they were like deer in the headlights. That's a southern Greek. <laughs> it says they were like deer in the headlights, y'all. <laughs> they couldn't move, wide-eyed. They just, oh, it's happening. There is nothing we can do to stop it. It's, 
it's bright, it's clear, it's, it's earthquake, it's all these things. So not only do they witness the angel come from heaven, they witness the angel roll the stone away, they witness him sit on it, they couldn't not look. They couldn't not see, they couldn't not witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they told the truth, and they went to the religious leaders, and they told them, and then these were the men, these religious leaders, these were the men that could have been a part of changing the whole landscape of Christianity that very day, just by standing up and going, hey, not only did he raise from the grave, but 12 of our best soldiers were scared to death. Well, I mean, it could have been a whole different story. And rather than embrace it and repent of their previous actions, they paid the guards and tried to cover it up as a conspiracy. Just tell people you fell asleep. Uh, By the way, if you were one of those guards at the tomb, first off, this was a high priority thing. This wasn't, we're just guarding a banquet table or don't let anyone get to the gifts at the royal wedding. This is, you're there for a reason, first of all. And if you're one of these guards at the tomb, you know the penalty for falling asleep on the job. In case you weren't one of those guards, the penalty is death. That's a pretty severe penalty when it comes to not doing your job properly. Aren't you glad that's not the penalty of your job when you mess something up? They knew what the penalty was. I just can't, I I kind of try to wrap my mind around that conversation when the religious leaders say to these guards, hey, we're going to give you all this money. And you're just going to go back and you're going to tell people you fell asleep and while you were sleeping, the disciples stole his body. That's what we're going to do. I'm sure there was some guy in the back. I don't know how many there were, but there had to be one guy that was like, hey, they'll kill us for that. No, no, no. We'll talk to the governor. We'll take care of it. I don't know how that conversation could have gone. But here were the men who, who had an opportunity, like I said, to change the landscape of Christianity from that moment, but instead said, no, we're going to create this conspiracy theory of confusion and lies. You know, if that was the only story about Jesus and his resurrection, it would be enough. But what about Mark? What does Mark have to say about this? We're going to look at Mark chapter 16. And he starts in a similar way. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? I love that question. They're they're going to do something in, in good faith. They're going to tend to the body of the Lord. And they're just in innocence going, who will roll away the stone? And looking up, verse 4 says, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. Kind of like, this is nothing. You should have been here a minute ago when those guys were scared to death. But now they're, they're sitting here. He says, hey, do not be afraid. You are, or do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. And I love this next statement. He says, he has risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. 
He's inviting them. Look, here it is. Touch something. He's not here. But then he tells them, he gives them a directive. He gives them an action. This is my favorite biblical word, by the way. He says, go. Tell his disciples and Peter. (laughs) I love that part too. He wants to make sure. Don't forget Peter. We'll bring him back into the loop here. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And then we cut away to this part. Now after he had risen early on the first day, that he, by the way, is Jesus. After he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along their way to the country. And they went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Okay. Maybe there's a couple little loopholes in Mark's account also. Well, not in answering the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? We took care of that. The loophole is in the place where even when they were told that Jesus was alive, for whatever reason, they chose not to believe it. They were in hiding. They were in places where they were fearing for their lives, wishing Jesus wasn't dead, wishing the crucifixion hadn't happened, wishing they had one more opportunity to say something to Jesus, and then they're told He's alive, and their first reaction is, no, I can't believe that. This is what you've been praying for. Oh, I can't believe that. I won't believe it. I find it interesting here, but also in God's plan for salvation, one of the first things we have to do as we hear His Word is we have to believe it. That's why you all are here this morning. Because at some point in your life, you have heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You have heard the Word of God, and you believe it. Then we repent, and based on this belief, we confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we we be baptized. Uh, Let me ask you this. What do you choose to believe? Because there's a lot of stuff flying around in our world today about God, about Christians, about the Bible, about Jesus. What do you choose to believe? You see, the other loophole I found is in the messenger. Mary Magdalene. Sometimes we choose to believe a messenger, and we shouldn't. And sometimes we choose to not believe a messenger, and we should. Uh, Look here. Mary Magdalene, the woman who was previously demon-possessed. Verse 10. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. What's the cause of their disbelief? Was it because crazy Mary told them? No offense if your name's Mary, by the way. <laughs> is, is it the messenger? It's that old, don't, don't shoot the messenger? It's like Mary comes and, and says, I saw him, I touched him. And they refuse to believe. You see, some of the people who share Jesus the most, we just discount them as as a fanatic or a Jesus freak 
or whatever. All they, all they will do is talk about Jesus. They've got to be something wrong with them. They ain't right. You laugh because you've probably said it about that particular aunt in your family it, or uncle. And you, they may not be right. They aren't right. They're forgiven. And they know what they are. They are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are not ashamed of the gospel of the man that forgave them and saved them and reconciled them. So we will tell everyone because we don't care what you think about us. I'm glad to be known as a fanatic because I know what Jesus Christ did in my life. And if you choose not to believe the message that I tell you, that's okay. It'll be sad, but you won't offend me by not believing God's message. See, what I appreciate about this story specifically is Mary Magdalene goes and tells them he's alive. They said, no way, can't happen. She doesn't mourn for them. She continues rejoicing in what she knows to be true, that Jesus Christ is alive. That he cast seven demons out of her and that her life will never be the same because of the grace of Jesus Christ touching her life. Let's look at what Luke, the doctor, writes about his account in Luke 24 of the resurrection. Again, starts out similar to the others. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Luke kind of gets right to the point. They showed up, the, tomb, the, the stone was rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men suddenly, stu suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why, it's a great quote too, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? It's, it's almost, I like to think that's one of those hypothetical questions. I don't think they were expecting an answer. Why would you seek the living among the dead? We're in the graveyard. We're in the tomb. Don't come here looking for Jesus because He did what He said He was going to do. And they follow that up with, He is not here, but He has risen. And then they tell Him this. Remember? Remember how He spoke to you while He was still in Galilee? Saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Luke sticks with the facts, doesn't he? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. Have you ever been so excited to tell somebody something? And their response to you is like that? You've got this great message. It, maybe it was just about a favorite show. Maybe it is about Jesus. I don't know who you talk to or what you talk about, but you, you start talking, you start talking, and they're like, ah, that's nonsense. Oh. That just takes the wind right out of your sails. But look here. These words appear to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. But verse 12 says, but Peter got up 
and you remember in the other account, tell the disciples and Peter. So here we are, Peter's got his, Peter's undivided attention is happening right here. Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Why do you seek the living among the dead? There's no loophole in this statement. The angel even follows up with a reminder of what Jesus proclaimed about himself, that he would indeed rise on the third day, and yet again there's that loophole of belief, or disbelief, I should say. You know, the reality is, sadly, we're not that different from Jesus' disciples. They were told the truth by the women. Jesus is alive. And some chose to continue living and hiding and living in fear as if Jesus was still dead. Folks, we hold the truth of God's Word in our hand almost every day. If you have a smartphone, chances are you have a Bible app of some sort on it. And so every day, when you, whether you're just using it as an alarm clock, you are touching your, your phone that has your Bible app, you have the Word of God somehow in your hand every day. But even as Christians, we still choose to live as dead men, frightened by the lies of the world rather than empowered by the truth of God's Word. And I go back to that question, what do you choose to believe? And for whatever reason, we cower, not truly believing that Jesus is the Messiah, or not believing enough to live our life differently. In my Sunday school class, we're talking about discipleship, and that's one of the things I talked about this morning was, when you are following Jesus, you will live your life differently. If you're not living your life differently, you're not fully following Jesus. And then there's Peter and John and Mary. What do they do? John chapter 20 is probably my favorite account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because I love that they run to the tomb. Look at what John writes here. He says, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth. That's a very bold thing. They went forth. It's like with gusto. And they were going to the tomb. The two were running together. I always say that I only run if I'm being chased, and if I'm being chased, it's someone bigger than me, and I know I can outrun them. But I think in this case, I would do my best to run to the tomb. The other disciple ran ahead faster. This is John letting everybody know he's faster than Peter. The other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping in and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes, But Mary was standing outside the tomb. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb 
And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Favorite part. I drive my family crazy with movies because I'm always like, it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part. It's my favorite part. Dylan's like, you can only have one favorite. That's why it's called a favorite part. But again, right here, another favorite part. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. He just simply said her name and she realized everything had come true that he had said would come true. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Wouldn't that be great? First-hand knowledge. Someone coming right to you and saying, I have seen the risen Lord. Mm. I just shared with you four eyewitness accounts about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think what the resurrection communicates to us wasn't just that God was at work in the world's most hopeless and stomach-churning event, the execution of His Son from start to finish. As Jesus was put to death on the cross, God was still at work. You know, we often, when, when something happens in our life, we like to, to throw that back on God. Where's God when this happens, when this loved one dies, when this diagnosis is given, when this treatment doesn't work? Where's God when something goes south, when you lose your job, when you lose your house, when something bad happens, the tornado, the natural disaster, whatever it is, where is God? He's in the same place He was when Jesus Christ was on the cross dying for our sins. He's in heaven, waiting and wanting to reconcile with you. I, I think that the resurrection kind of freeze-framed, if you will, the scars on Jesus' body, permanently projecting them onto the silver screen of the cosmos, if you will. And every Resurrection Sunday, we can look up and remember the most famous April Fool's joke of all time. Not that Jesus rose from the dead, but that God was there at the place of the skull. John 19, 17 and 18 says, They took Jesus and He went out bearing His own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified Him. And there is where we find God and where we find the Messiah in the blood and the tears of broken humanity working together to reconcile the world to Himself. And with the final sacrifice for our sins finished, the Lamb of God rose from the dead as a conquering lion. On the third day, 
And then after a time of being with people in the flesh, He didn't just rise from the dead and go straight into heaven. He spent time on earth talking to people, multiple people, walking with people, eating with people, physical attributes. And then He ascended into heaven where He is preparing a place for you and for me. And the question I have for you this morning is this. What do you choose to believe? If this is true, if the Scriptures that we read this morning about the resurrection of Jesus, if it's true, if there are no loopholes, just different accounts of the same event, if they are true, what are you prepared to do about it? Because this morning, you have been presented with the truth of God's Word. And in a nutshell, it's very simple. Christ died for you. Christ defeated death. Our Savior, our Messiah is alive, preparing a place for you for all eternity. As we come to our response time this morning, my question is simple. Are you willing to live for Him? If you answer yes to that question, what steps are you ready to take to live your life differently? You see, Christ and and the grace of the cross and the miracle of the empty tomb without loopholes, without conspiracy theories, the fact that Christ is alive is all we need. He is alive and He did all of this to reconcile us back with His Father. Are you willing to live your life for Christ? Will you go to win others into a relationship with Him? Are you willing to commit yourself to grow in His Word and in His ways, to be a reflection of Him? Will you consider this as we stand and sing our response song this morning? Remembering that because the grave is empty, we have an opportunity to be reconciled with our Father God and respond accordingly to God's Word. Will you sing this song? It's been great to be here with you this morning. It's been great to celebrate and share the story of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. But now it's time to go. I told you it's my favorite word. It's time to go. But as you go this morning, go like Mary Magdalene. Go like crazy Mary. Don't worry about what everybody else may think of you. You have an amazing story. And you do not have to have the Bible memorized because you know what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And if you've got some questions about what He can do in your life, find me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that. But go like Mary. Go telling everyone you can that the tomb is empty. Tell them that Jesus, the Messiah, is risen. That we are reconciled. That we are forgiven. You tell them what Jesus has done in your life. As you go this morning, go to win others into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Go committing to grow in His Word yourself this week. Will you sing this last song with us?